Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Boy, it seems from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think and live and make decisions. And when everyone disagrees, how can we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all the information overload and choose what governs our lives? We've been processing these things, and our leadership here at Grace is praying for all of us, so we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Today, we have a special guest. If you're watching with us on YouTube, you see that already. If you're listening, I have Dr. Julie Slattery here with me. Uh, If you don't know, uh, Julie is a clinical psychologist. She's an author, speaker, president and co-founder of Authentic Intimacy, which is a ministry that started 10 years ago, uh, devoted to helping reclaim God's design for sexuality. Um, and so that's been absolutely an amazing resource for the last dec- resource for us for the last decade. And then a couple years ago, uh, also launched sexualdiscipleship.com to help uh, Christian leaders navigate different sexual issues and questions, uh, all focused on Jesus. So in many ways, um, kind of a... Um, not an offshoot because we didn't create it, I don't mean it that way, but kind of a a sexually oriented version of what we're trying to do here with Mixed Messages. How do we clear all of the space and focus on Jesus? Uh, So she's also authored a bunch of books and all that stuff, and uh, I'm sure she's loving that I'm just like reading through her list right now. But Julie, uh, how are you? I'm well. I'm glad to be with you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, she's also uh, married to Mike and has three kid, three boys, three, right? Three sons. Yeah. yeah, they're not really boys anymore, I but suppose, yeah. yeah, they well, tend to grow up. They grow into men, but their mindsets, we still stay boys. Yeah, so. <laughs> Ma- always mama sees them as a boy, right? That's, awesome. That's how it goes. That's so, <laughs> yeah. so good. Well, thanks for agreeing to, to jump on here with us. Um, I'm sure... That uh, similarly for you, there have been just a whole nother slew of hard conversations that have popped up in the last few months and over this summer. And uh, one of those topics among many has been, you know, the decision to reverse Roe v. Wade. And then there's been lots of conversation. I feel like even another elevation of things like gender dysphoria and what do I do with my sexual attractions? And, and of course, rippled into all of that are things like, well, what's a a woman's right Mm -hmm. (laughs) in all of this? Because doesn't that mess with the gender conversation? And it certainly isn't a part of the abortion conversation. And how are you navigating and how are you feeling kind of coming out of this, what seems like a crazy summer? Yeah, I feel like, Joe, the summer is no different from <laughs> from what my life has been like for the last 10 years. Sure. Because if you think about it, it's every cycle has this new bombshell around sexuality. If this were last year, we'd be talking about the Me Too movement and right. the Church Too movement. Yep. Uh, and before that, Obergefeld, that decision and how that changed everything and yeah. research on cohabitation. And it goes on and on and on. So yes, this is definitely um, the flavor of the day in terms of where we're feeling tension and having discussion in the public sphere. But I feel the same way as just, I just need God's wisdom. We need to go back to God, to his word, yeah. and really ask him for discernment and how we navigate these conversations both within the church and outside of the church. That's so good. Um, I I love that you're putting that into perspective for all of us, because I do think a lot of times the casual um, listener to this topic, if you will, feels these like massive spikes, like, oh no, here's this issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And my guess is that that's not what you felt and that's not what you were hearing 10 years ago when this started. So 
put put into perspective for us a little bit, like, has this ramped up over the last decade? Or, like, do we just get to hear uniquely? Like, where's the church been in that? Where have you been in that? Like, how does that kind of play out? Yeah, I think both are true. I think these these issues always existed, but we didn't talk about them, mm. and they, they weren't as prevalent in the news or cultural conversations. But we also have, and all the research is showing this, have increasingly walked away from uh, a Judeo-Christian view of truth, of morality, yeah. of sexuality. And as that's happened over the last decade, we are seeing more confusion, more brokenness, more underlying question of what is even gender and what does biological sex have to do with that? So so those are both true. I remember you know, probably 10, 12 years ago before even I started Authentic Intimacy, I worked at Focus on the Family and had the opportunity to interview just experts in the field all around Christianity. And I would I would talk to people like Dr. Dan Allender, and he would tell me the rates of sexual abuse that he believed were there. And at that time, I'm like, no, they can't be that high. <laughs> but he'd be like, no, and he'd give me some evidence for that. And same thing with the Me Too movement and the Church Too movement, talking to people seven or eight years ago who were saying, what came out in the Catholic Church is going to come out in the Protestant Church. Mm-hmm. Like, this is everywhere. Uh, I remember conversations seven years ago about how, you know, pretty soon people are going to be choosing among 50 different genders. Mm. And I thought, no, nah, that's not going to happen. So uh, so there were rumblings of this, but but it all has just come way up to the surface. And again, we're at the point where we just don't have a true north to be able to navigate. And I would say, unfortunately, that's even true among Christians. We sure. we get swayed by the conversation of our time and really the God of our age, and we don't know how to make sense of what's happening around us. When that, when that happens and people feel that temptation to be swayed to one side or the other, like from your vantage point, your research, all the relationships you've had, is it helpful to draw lines in the sand? Uh, or, or how do you start even having those conversations about these types of topics? Yeah, again, this is where there's some nuance to this, mm-hmm. because there are people who would just plug their ears and go, I don't want to hear it. You know, like, I'm not listening to any news source mm-hmm. other than what my pastor says, and I don't want to hear another perspective. This is what the Bible says. For example, there's male and female. That's the end of it. And they don't have the compassion or sensitivity to grapple with people's mm-hmm. experience and, again, some of the nuance of how difficult these these issues really are. But on the other hand, we can't just say, okay, I'm going to immerse myself in the thinking of today. I'm going to immerse myself in people's stories without realizing that we have to continually be reminded that there is truth, that Mm -hmm. God has revealed truth, and uh, He has commanded us to stand on that. And Mm -hmm. so that's, again, where I think we find ourselves going to one extreme or the other, and God is really calling us uh, to be people that that have that grace and that truth. Yeah. The imagery, for whatever reason that's coming to my mind as you explain that, is that of a tree um, where if the root system is strong and invested and getting the nutrients from what it needs, then the tree itself, the part that we see, it can weather mm-hmm. the storms, the sunshine, mm-hmm. the snow, the hail. It can, it can weather all of that um, because its root system is there. It doesn't, it doesn't have to bury itself underground to survive. It can be amongst the elements, 
But if that root system goes away, that tree's falling over and it will it will die. Yeah. Uh, it, even as you say that, I'm thinking of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, where it talks about the purpose of the spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. and it talks about that the body of Christ may be rooted and mature, and it won't be swayed by the winds of culture. Yeah. And I think what we see happening today is a real test to the level of our commitment to Jesus, mm-hmm. our discipleship, our love for God, um, because if we don't have those roots. It, it is going to be very hard to know where to stand mm-hmm. and where to keep our ears open to what's happening. Absolutely. So um, with that in mind, um, let's, let's get into one of these um, topics that's spiked up, at least for the populace, over the last mm-hmm. few months. And so if we think about the, the conversations that have been swirling around about abortion, for instance... Um, I think it's becoming more and more clear, and I hope, especially if you've been listening to this podcast, that somehow God has a heart for both women and unborn children. Uh, how, how am I supposed to navigate what feels like a dichotomy to culture mm-hmm. and navigate that as a follower of Jesus? Wow. Uh, so complicated. <laughs> you know, again, I think w- one of my conversations in the public sphere as a citizen of the United States uh, as far as who I vote for and what legislation I think should be there and all that, that's that's one piece of this. And another piece of this is how do I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, understand God's view of this? Mm-hmm. And how do we as the church minister to a very broken world? And I think sometimes, Joe, we get those two arenas confused uh, because there is a time in the public sphere to to debate, to stand, uh, to vote, uh, to, to just say, hey, here's what I believe is true. But I think where we're really missing the, the nuance again of what you're asking is how do we as Christians and how do we as the body of Christ be the hands and feet that love babies and love women? Yeah. And so uh, it's not a matter of should you have gotten the abortion. It's you're in front of me and you have real needs. Uh, or it's not a matter of you you had a baby, great, you didn't have an abortion, but what are we doing to to nurture that new family? What are we doing to nurture the woman and the child? And so I think so much of the conversation is around legislature, and it's not within the church around what we're doing. Yeah, you know i I think about the problems that lead to abortion and they are many and complicated. So many, yeah. Yes. Uh, but we're depending on the state to solve those problems. Whereas if we look throughout history, it was God's people who mm-hmm. were addressing those problems. Yeah. Uh, the problems of fatherlessness, the, the problems of um, sexual immorality, the problems of sexual violence against women, the problems of the widow and the orphan. And uh, I think today's American church is so focused on the public sphere and how we should be bo- voting and mm-hmm. debating about that. We've lost the fact that Jesus is saying, I've equipped you and called you to actually address the problems underneath this. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I, I, we see Jesus do that, right? I mean, when he walked on earth, uh, arguably he was walking amidst one of the greatest political turmoil uh, pieces of history you could have. Mm-hmm. You know, complete Roman oppression. Uh, the Jews had been... Um, oppressed by about, I think that's the fifth uh, empire <laughs> that rolled over them in a row, you know, and they're all expecting, like, Jesus, would you fix this? You know, vote for Jesus, you know, like now <laughs> yeah. he can be uh, in charge, and would you take our strong uh, Judeo-Christian uh, values into office, so to speak, and would you fix all of this? 
And Jesus did kind of the opposite. Jesus mm-hmm. went grassroots, and like you said, he listened and he cared and he walked to, and he didn't veer mm-hmm. from what he knew to be true, but he sat down with people face-to-face and engaged them exactly where they're at. And by the way, I'm really, really thrilled he does that with me because mm. if we were just drawing lines in the sand, I'd probably miss a lot of those benchmarks. Yeah. Um, and so I love that that's what you're saying. Um, how? What are some of the ways in which uh, God kind of shows uh, whether it's through history or in the scripture, um, if we just kind of start with one quote-unquote side of this, that he values women. Yeah. Well, I think it starts with he values life. Yeah. Uh, and he values all of humanity, mm-hmm. male and female. He spoke us into being. He created us in, in his image. And all throughout the scripture, there's this high value of life. Yeah. And that we, it's not to us to choose to begin or end life. It really is the Lord that gives life and it's the Lord who says when it's time for us to no longer live on this planet. And so, uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is rooted in that first Mm. and foremost, that women and men individually and uniquely reflect uh, the image of God and the glory of God. And we see that throughout the scripture. I, 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 I really love how historians will help explain that Jesus's actions when he lived on earth were totally countercultural in the respect of valuing women and spending time with them and listening to them, giving them high worth. And then when you read history also and you realize that the the epistles, Paul's teaching and Peter's teaching, we read them now with the lens of kind of our our modern eyes. And we say, wow, they were like misogynists or chauvinists. If we were reading that back in the day, we would be shocked that he was placing so much value on women and calling men who didn't have to serve their wives, who didn't have to love their wives. No, this is what God calls you to do. Love them so much that you're actually laying your life down for them. Uh, And so I I think it's taken me, as somebody who's looking at this scripture over the years, a lot of time to understand the context of how we see God's love for women and Mm. Jesus's unique ministry to women uh, through through the lens of when all that was taking place. Sure. Um, That's super exciting to hear. You know, um, I I can say versions of that uh, all I want, but it's just wonderful to hear someone that has to also receive that, if that makes any sense, um, as well. Be so excited about how God has laid that out. Um, Now, similarly, um, how how do we see God caring for like the unborn child? I know you said he values all life and they are I think at least hopefully for most of us, they would be included in that. But how does that specifically play out, do you see? Yeah, we see specific scriptures Mm -hmm. like Psalm 139 or uh, Jeremiah uh, where God says, you know, I called you from the womb. I knew you before you were born. I formed you. Mm -hmm. And so that tells us that he knows us in that secret place Mm -hmm. of our mother's womb, that all the days of our our lives are known to him, Mm -hmm. are um, pre- predestined by him. Yeah. And so there's no mention of, I knew you when you were born. <laughs> you know, right. you took your first breath. No, 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 no. I knew you way before. Yeah. Uh, and so there's glimpses of that. Uh, I, again, you might know more church history than I do, but the little that I know about, for example, the early Roman culture and, and things like that, there was infanticide, uh, kind of their forms mm-hmm. of abortion. And that was something that in church history, we see the early church fought against. And again, they would go 
save those babies and raise those children. Uh, and so there's all these indications that we see in the scripture before there was a Planned Parenthood, before there was something that was like a medical procedure of abortion, where we see God's knowledge of us and his care for us from the very beginning and him calling and equipping his people uh, to care for the most vulnerable mm-hmm. and the most dependent, the voiceless. Um, and so that's consistent throughout the scripture. Yeah. I, it's, it's so important that we understand that. And, and both of the last things you've discussed uh, really call for the people of God to act and to mm-hmm. respond, uh, not just verbally, but with their life, with their action, with their resources. Um, you know, whether it's James who says, this is pure and faultless religion, care for the orphan and the widow, you know, care for the child that has no voice, that has no ability to care for themselves, care for the widow who is struggling, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's because of the death of their husband or it's because they just find themselves to be single. However that plays out in our modern day, we are supposed to act to care for, to serve, to lift up. And so I know that um, at least kind of the corporate criticism of the kind of the overall church is, well, where's the church when it comes to uh, the born life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after the baby is born. And um, maybe in some circles that's completely legitimate, but I hope for our listeners that becomes less and less so, that we would step into those scenarios and say, I want to serve mothers. I want to serve women. I want to serve teenagers and help them have their value and their worth before they have to go run and find it mm-hmm. in a sexual encounter. Uh, I want to I want to do what I can to show them God's love in a tangible way care for them, step up, invite them into my home, adopt them if I have to. Like, this is the historical role of the church and certainly the call of the modern church. Mm. And so I love that uh, we have to respond. And it's not, I think in our social media culture today, our temptation is to respond and to comment. Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) I did my job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm blessed to know so many people, so many families that are doing this. Uh, you know, families that are fostering and adopting and uh, and working in inner city missions and um, working with homeless and the most vulnerable populations, helping people recover from abortions, helping people navigate single parenthood, and and so I'm blessed to see that in action, and and we just need to multiply that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's that's our job. That is our job number one. If you want to get involved in politics, if God's called you to that, great. That, But this is something he's called all of us to at some level, yep. uh, to be his hands and feet uh, in order to really minister to where people, where the pain is. Absolutely. I, um, You know, if you're listening to this um, and you're doing that type of thing, I want to just encourage you to go like shoulder tap and invite someone to do that with you uh, because that's how it multiplies, like Julie Mm -hmm. just said. Um, And if you're someone that's not, like when I kind of rally, ranted about the different ways that we could respond, if you don't feel like that's the kind of stuff you are doing and someone shoulder taps you to do it with them, would you at least explore that? Because a lot of the families that you're referring to, uh, I might know some of them and I know others as well. They probably didn't initially see themselves as the people that would be responding in those ways. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they take one small step, and they're willing to bring some spaghetti to a family in need. And before you know it, they're adopting three children. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> yeah. and that and God does the progression in that, and He handles that pathway. And uh, I don't want that to scare our listeners. I want that to excite <laughs> you. That God will walk you down that pathway. 
Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be ready to jump from zero to 100 right now. Yeah. Um, but are you willing to be willing to, to trust where God's and taking you? And you won't feel equipped. No. You know, I don't, you, you would probably agree with me. I don't usually feel equipped for the job God has given me for no. today, but he gives us what we need. And so don't wait until you feel like, yeah, we can handle this. Mm-hmm. No, nope, just follow him in obedience and he gives you what you need. Yep. In our weakness, he is strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so good. Well, um, I, I think with that conversation, um, it's, it's going to be ongoing, and I hope that we continue to, to lead with compassion, pointing people to Jesus, and watching him work in the hearts and minds of people. But then there's this other conversation that um, seems to have spiked again, uh, not certainly not for the first time um, this summer, where people are talking in a whole different way and maybe even a different vein about things like gender dysphoria and and how do I fit and how do I choose and how do I raise my kids in that climate and culture. Um, you know, I, I was just talking with a single mom and, you know, she's got a, a middle school-aged daughter and she just comes home almost every day with all these questions, all these questions. And speaking of feeling ill-equipped, mm. you know, that mother is just like, I think I know what I know, but I have no idea how to get that across. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so walk us through maybe some of the high level, like how do we begin to engage that in a healthy way? Mm-hmm. And where maybe should our perspective start to look? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, listening is mm. huge. Uh, and I think I've been there as a parent when my kids bring something to me where I have sort of that shock of, <gasps> oh my goodness, they're thinking about this or they did that. And what you want to do as a parent immediately is try to find something that would negate it. And you want to talk him out of it. You want to shut it down because it's scary. Uh, and at some level, we need to resist that and take a breath, say a prayer, <laughs> and just listen. And tell me more about that. What are you experiencing at school? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Uh, that, that helps us understand the heart of our child. And it's always wise to listen before we speak because then we know how to season what we're saying with the grace and the truth that's needed in that mm. moment. So that would be the first thing. And I would even say it's okay to listen for a few conversations before you begin feeling the pressure, like I have to say something. Sometimes we need that space to pray, um, to research, to formulate a a good answer. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to say, hey, you know, like I need a few days to think and pray about this. This is something I didn't grow up with. Sure. And it's very complicated. Maybe we can go on this journey of exploring together. Um, but then I think where we really need to get, and this is what you you talked about, the roots underneath the tree, we have to get to the level of talking about worldviews mm. because there are really two predominant worldviews, and this is simplifying things, but we either have, as Christians, the worldview that God is the creator. He is the one who has created all things for his glory and for his purposes, and as the creator he determines what is true, and we find ourselves in seeking him and knowing him. Or the worldview of today, which is if there is a God, he's distant, he's, he's impotent, he really doesn't have much to say, so 
we have to create for ourselves truth. We have mm. to create for ourselves our identity, our purpose in life, and our meaning. And what I would want a young person to understand is the whole transgender movement is coming out of that worldview, mm-hmm. that there is no objective creator, there is no God who has a plan and a purpose for you, therefore you have to invent this and discover this on your own. Uh, and unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who are pulling Bible verses out of the Bible, out of context, yeah. and supporting that worldview without realizing that it's it's from the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. It dethrones God in his glory. And when we re- look at Romans chapter 1, which describes really the depravity of a culture with relational sexual chaos, the root of it is their worship, yeah. that uh, they neither knew God nor worshiped him. They, they had a form of godliness, Paul would say later, but they didn't have the power. They didn't know him. And so this is why all discipleship has to go back to who is God and how do we train our children to know God, to fear him, to worship him, because everything comes out of that. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, when I think about my child, who's just seven, and thankfully hasn't asked many questions about that yet, I say thankfully because I have a little bit of that fear myself mm-hmm. of how am I going to navigate that. But I, I do think about the times that she has come to me confused about something, um, confused about why she can't have Oreos before dinner even, mm-hmm. um, yeah. confused about why she has to go to bed at a certain hour. Confused. I mean, you fill in your blanks of a small mm-hmm. child. I would assume most of us that are parents and all of us that had even a remotely healthy upbringing, if we walked up to our parents and said, hey, I'm confused about why I can't have Oreos, or I'm confused about this math problem, or I'm confused about why you won't let me drive, I'm eight, come on, why not? (laughs) Um, That we wouldn't just look at them and say, well, stop being confused and move on. Mm -hmm. That we would be like, well, what's confusing about it? Mm -hmm. Because do I need to walk you through that you need to eat healthy things before, like, do I need to walk you through... And even that, it's not, this, just because you explain it doesn't mean it's going to connect yeah. or catch. But very few of us, my guess is, at least most of the time, maybe there's that moment of frustration, um, are just going to say, well, stop being confused. Yeah. Or I told, do it because I told you so. Right. Yeah. And so now when we are in, uh, approached with something that is um, spiritual in nature, it's, it's being influenced demonically, as you said, and it's... Um, it's messing with the core of who we are, even if we feel uh, as a person uh, in that um, culturally-based worldview that we've landed on something, there's a confusion there. I don't see what God is trying to show me. And so if we can take that approach of, I can't just tell you to stop being confused. Mm-hmm. I can't just say, well, well stop feeling that way. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. Stop being hurt. Stop feeling... Mm-mm. It doesn't work. And so... That listening angle, um, I just love that encouragement. I think that's so, so good um, because it's not going to work if we take a different approach. No, and honestly, we don't know what it's like to be a 15-year-old today. I don't. And so I need to listen. I need to hear. I need to lean in and understand. It doesn't change truth, but it it does inform how I teach and how I approach and how I love um, and it it earns the right to be heard mm-hmm. um, because when we listen to our kids now, and I have one kid in particular that talks quite a bit. He likes to process with me, and 
we'll go on walks, we'll go out. He'll talk kind of nonstop for maybe two hours. Oh, wow. And we'll do this over and over and over again. And then when I have something I really need to tell him, I'll say, hey, hey, buddy, you know I've listened to you a lot. Oh, yeah, Mom, thank you for always listening to me. I don't, I don't give you a lot of advice. I don't talk a lot. Uh, right? And he'll say, yeah. And I'll say, this is something really important that I need to share with you. And he's all ears. Mm. And uh, I've built that rapport with him. And he knows that if I'm going to say something, it's been prayed over. I've thought it through. It doesn't mean it's always perfect, but that's so key. And that's not just with our kids. It's with our neighbors. It's with our friends. I, I think in today's day and age, we have been trained to think we have to have the perfect answer to every argument. And because of that, we have lost the permission even to just love people. Yep. I think that um, what that <laughs> a pithy statement that came to my mind as you were saying that is we need to work to connect, not be correct. Mm-hmm. We, we that have that worldview, as you mentioned, where God is the creator, God, his, his glory is worth it because he just is that awesome. He loves us so much. If we trust that and we're rooted in that and we know that that's where we land, then the work is done in terms of us being correct or not. Mm-hmm. We don't have to define anything, correct anything, because the Lord's already figured that part out. So if we can figure out a way to stay in connection, then when you have the breath of your son's done talking for a moment and now can I share something with you, they are all ears. Your neighbor, if you've listened to them rant and rave and you've asked them questions and they feel like you understand where they're coming from and they, they, you, you can even reiterate a little bit of, I think I see that you're feeling these ways, suddenly you become a safe place for them. Mm-hmm. And so... It, if and when God's stirring in their mind and heart, you become a resource for them as opposed to someone that feels like there's a wall in between. And I can't possibly talk to them. They're mean to me. They judge me. They push me to the side. They tell me I'm wrong all the time. Who wants to talk to that person? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that um, build the rapport is, I think, what you said. And I, I think that's excellent for all of us. Mm. I know I need to keep you re- being reminded of it for sure. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, you know, all of these uh, conversations, they're big, they, they, they raise our blood pressure, they spike our emotions, and for various reasons, I know that you're passionate about pointing people back to the story of Christ, to mm-hmm. the gospel, to the kingdom of God. Um, what would be kind of an uh, almost like a final remark on how do we do that in the midst of these hard conversations? Yeah. You know, I think about it. I I was raised in a wonderful Christian family. Uh, I think about my dad, and he's still living. I have a great relationship with him, and he was very strict. Mm. So I'm one of six kids, wow. and we had job charts. Like the expectations were very high. That's amazing. And uh, <laughs> a lot of discipline. If if I were to go back and recount to you the jobs I had to do and the times he disciplined me, you would walk away from that and say, wow, you, you had a terrible father. <laughs> but you don't know my dad. Mm. Like You don't know the times throughout my life that we've connected and that he's shown me love and how he, he sacrificed me for my family. And I think this is the same way when we talk about these issues mm. to people, that 
they may have heard Bible verses or they hear Christians believe this or that or God says don't do that or that. And God sounds like a very harsh, judgmental father, if even father. And this is why the gospel is so important because the Bible is not a list of rules. Right. It's not a handbook on how we should vote (laughs) or um, what our philosophy of life should be. It's an invitation to a personal relationship with God through Mm. Jesus Christ. It's knowing him as my father. It's knowing Jesus as my friend. It's knowing my brothers and sisters through through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. If you don't have that, none of this other stuff really matters at the end of the day. And and so I think it, it really is in our actions, in our attitude, in our speech, giving that message that Paul gave, like, I urge you, like, be reconciled to God. He loves you. Do you really want to live your life without him? Let mm. me tell you of how my father has loved me. And then we can talk about the methods of discipline and why why they're there. Sure. Um, but again, we get the cart before the horse where we're arguing about morality and ethics without connecting with the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Imagine, I just imagine like walking up to a kid in school and suddenly saying like, hey, this is a rule in my house, so I need you to start following it. <laughs> yeah. That kid would just look at us cross-eyed like, that's not how my house works, yeah. you know, but if you don't have a relationship with my mom and dad, especially an under my under their roof, so to speak, mm-hmm. a relationship, why would I think about following your rules? Mm-hmm. That The first question is, do you want to come be with God? Do you want to come yeah. live with him? And mm-hmm. Jesus will open the door for you. He will do it. And then you're going to start seeing how wonderful of a home this is, how wonderful of a place this is to be, that life can be found there. And then you're like, you know what? Because of his love, I think this is changing me a little bit. Mm. But you, I, you're totally right. You can't put the cart before the horse and just start saying, you better follow my house's rules. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. This is so good, Julie. Um, my gut instinct is a lot of our listeners have uh, more questions about some of the stuff we talked about today. You want to give us a little bit of a plug on where they can find some more resources on these conversations? Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, I've been running the Ministry Authentic Intimacy for the last decade. Mm-hmm. So we've had uh, 10 years to create resources. God kind of gave us a running start on this yeah. stuff. But uh, our website is AuthenticIntimacy.com, and you can connect with everything we do there. We have a weekly podcast called Job with Julie, where we dive into these kinds of issues mm-hmm. every week. Um, we have online book studies uh, where you can form community around just your your own healing journey, whether you're yeah. single or married. Uh, just tons of resources there for you all around issues of intimacy and sexuality. Awesome. And I, I do recommend uh, at least perusing those resources. Um, maybe this is the... Uh, one of the spheres which you feel like your life just needs to dive in for a long time, and I think you'll find a lot of great stuff there. Or maybe even if you're just browsing through and you didn't think, why would I check out this website? You, I almost guarantee you'll find a topic, you'll find a headline, a blog post, a podcast, like, okay, maybe at least that one I should give a listen or I should read through that. So do yourself a favor, walk through AuthenticIntimacy.com. I think it'll be really great. Julie, thanks. Thanks for coming in today, sharing with us. It's been a pleasure. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Well, if you uh, enjoy this conversation today, I want to just ask that you would help other people know more about it by subscribing, rating, following, reviewing the podcast. Uh, If we can help you at all navigate this, um, maybe you need a relationship uh, to like, I needed to sit down someone face-to-face and talk through this thing. 
this is not just something we say on this podcast. I've had multiple conversations with people uh, trying to help them take next steps, eyeball to eyeball, and what's next. And so has our church leadership. I know Julie and her organization would love to do that as well. So if we can help with that, seriously, reach out to us. We would love to do that. If you have questions that you'd like to be addressed on our podcast, you can always do that at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. Um, If you're looking for a church home, you can always find us here at Grace on the weekend or if you're out of the area online uh, as well. Thank you very much for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. Catch you next time.